You are listening to Church Unlimited Students, a ministry of Church Unlimited. If God is speaking to you through this podcast, we encourage you to share this resource with your friends. And make sure to connect with us on social media by following at Students. Thank you for listening to Church Unlimited Students. What's up, CU students? How's everybody doing tonight? Y'all feel good? Hey, how many of y'all, uh, how many of y'all um, are happy to be back in school? Anybody, like one of you? Two of the, so two are really excited, three more over here. Caleb, you excited, man? I, I loved being back in school like the first hour and a half, and then it's like, all right, I'm ready for Christmas. I'm ready for summer. I'm ready for this to be done. Like, I can't take it anymore. But I always look forward to it. I, I've told y'all before, I was, the, I was the nerd that always had your, my outfit picked out like three days before. And it was always like a t-shirt and gym shorts, but I did have it picked out like days in advance. Yeah, I was that guy. Anyway, all right, tonight we're starting a new series called Rise Up. Say, rise up. Rise up. Say it again. Say, rise up. Rise up. All right, two of y'all got it down. I hear the accent and all. So here's the thing. We're starting this new series. It's going to be awesome. We're really excited about it. We're going to be talking about it for three weeks. Tonight we're talking about a dude named Samson. Say, Samson. Can anybody tell me anything about Samson? What's something about Samson? He was really strong by his hair. So the dude had really long flowing locks and they were really beautiful and all that kind of stuff. But he was actually a beast because of his hair, which we'll talk about that in just a couple minutes. I asked a middle schooler in the, in the first service, I said, hey, can somebody tell me about Samson? And she starts preaching the message. I'm like, stop, stop. We got to leave some for me. So anyway, all right, here's the thing about Samson. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes. The dude fell. How many of you all have ever fallen before, like taken a tumble and fallen? It's just embarrassing moments. It's like, oh, man, that's the worst. Maybe somebody sticks their foot out and you just want to get up and like kick them in the throat like it's the worst thing in the world. It's embarrassing. Like I've taken some falls before. I remember in high school I would take the bleachers. Y'all have bleachers? Let me show you a picture of these. Anybody ever walked on bleachers before? Yes, everybody pretty much has. You know, most people take the stairs. Most people take the stairs. I didn't like taking the stairs when I was in high school. And so I would always take the bleachers and you'd have to like strategically place your foot. And you'd have to kind of walk slowly. And so I got to the point where I was like confident, like, oh, I've got this. I can do this. I do this all the time. So I'm like kind of jogging down the bleachers. And if you kind of lose your focus for a second, you talk to somebody, you wave, somebody says your name, you're not paying attention. And if you miss the bleachers, like you take a nasty spill. And so I remember I'm in high school, high school football game. I didn't play in high school, played middle school. I played like four-string water boy. I was terrible. And so, uh, don't laugh at that. Uh, and so I'm jumping down the bleachers, and I got this, and I'm running. And then, like, my foot missed the bleacher. And if you've ever walked before, some of y'all have, and your foot doesn't hit the ground where it's supposed to, like, it just doesn't end well. And so I miss the bleachers, hit the ground. I start falling and kind of rolling down the bleachers, and I end up, like, in between the bleachers on the ground, like, in there. And so like, what do you do when you fall? Like, what are you supposed to do? Get back up as soon as possible so that there's a couple reasons for that. So this is what I do. Like, when I'm, I'm in a fake falling right now, so you don't have to laugh at your phone. So I'm, I'm, like, walking along, and if I trip, fall to the ground, like, I automatically jump back up. Like, what's up? What happened? I don't even know what you're laughing at. And, and so I remember I fell, and, like, there's blood everywhere. There's bones all over the bleachers and all that kind of stuff. My head's rolling around over there. Like, it's just nasty. And I remember, like, I twisted my arm, I busted my knee. There's probably literally blood on my leg and everything. And I just hop back up. Two reasons I do that. First of all, I want people, people to know, like, I got this. I'm not hurt. It's no big deal at all. And second of reason is, 
if you get up quick enough, sometimes nobody ever sees. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I remember about, a, it was about a month ago, I took a fall, and I don't even know what happened. I think I tripped over a, a gopher in the middle of the concrete or something like that. And, um, and I fell, and I jumped up real quick, and I looked around, and I'm like, nobody saw me. This is amazing. Like, nobody saw me. And I look around, and there's this girl off in the distance, and she's like, I saw you. And I'm like, shut up, woman. And, and, and so, like, you just hop back up so that nobody sees, or you just show, hey, man, I got this. No big deal. And so I took a nasty spill, but it was hilarious because I'm more concerned about not being embarrassed than I am over, like, getting hurt, if you know what I'm saying. So that's just kind of part of it. But let me show you someone who did not rise up after falling down. Let me show you a video real quick of a cheerleader falling out of a stunt. So watch this UCLA cheerleader. She falls in. Oh! Pause that real quick. All right, so you see the dude over her. He's like, oh, my goodness. I forgot you were there. Like, I'm so sorry. I can't believe you fell. Like, he's like, I'm going to take care of her now. Like, I'm going to get her up, and she's going to be okay, and I'm going to carry her off the court. Let me show you the rest of the video when he carries her off the court. And they brush her off the floor pretty Watch quickly here. Watch this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Like, he fell on her, and then he's just laying there like, this is the end of my life right now. I'm going to be on the ESPN Not Top Ten. Like, this is miserable, right? Like, that's not how you get back up. You don't get up that way. It's not how you rise up. That is a disaster, and it was a, a joke, but it's hilarious as well. So here's the deal. We're talking about a dude named Samson tonight in Judges 3. If you got your Bible, you're welcome to open up your devices, whatever you want to use. New version app, great recommendation of a Bible to read. So there was a time in the Old Testament when God provided the Israelites, his people, judges. So he had judges for him. Samson is the last judge. And he was, here's the thing about Samson. We talked about it a second ago. The dude was jacked. Like he was massive. He looked like a bodybuilder on steroids. Like you, when you say bodybuilder, you already know they're on steroids. So it's like a bodybuilder on steroids that is on steroids. And so, I'm just kidding. Some of y'all are like bodybuilders. No, some of y'all are like, that's not funny. You're judging my uncle. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to do that. Um, and so he is huge. He's got really long hair and all this kind of stuff. You're probably like, he, he probably looked a lot like you, Nate. And I, you might not even have to tell it in this slimming color, but I'm really, really jacked as well. So I appreciate the compliment. Um, so he's huge. And so here's the thing. A judge is, for the Israelites, a judge is a ruler or a military leader. leader excuse me. He also presided over legal hearings. So Samson was a military leader, and he fought for a living. He was called by God to be a Nazarite. And one of the things that he was called for, and I'll talk about a Nazarite in just a second, one of the things he was called to do, created to do, was kill the Philistines. Like, that was his living. That's what God called him to do. That was his purpose on earth, was to kill as many Philistines in his life. And there's more to it than that, but that was one of his primary purposes. So a Nazarite, you're like, what the heck is a Nazarite? A Nazarite is someone who is fully devoted to God with their entire life. It almost sounds like a Christian. Somebody that gives their life to Christ or fully devoted to God with their entire life. A Nazarite makes three vows to the Lord. Let me tell you what they are real quick. He could not touch a dead body or a carcass of an animal or a person. He could not shave his head. That's why he had the long hair and he's been growing it all his life. So he probably had a man bun that looked like a second head up on top of his head be pretty awesome. And the third thing he couldn't do is he could not drink wine or touch grapes. They were obviously ruled impure or something like that. He couldn't touch alcohol, couldn't drink beer, anything like that. So he was a friggin' beast. He was huge. He was jacked. You got to remember that because God gave him supernatural strength to defeat the Philistines. 
So if one of your callings on earth is to kill people, like God is going to give you all the strength in the world. Like literally, he did have some of the strength, all the strength in the world. Listen to some of the things that he did. So first of all, Judges 14, 6, it says this. We're kind of jumping ahead a little bit. We'll be jumping back in just a second. Judges 13. I said three a minute ago. We're on 13. Judges 14, 6 says this. The spirit of the Lord took control of him. And this is where his strength came from, from the Lord, although somehow it resided in his hair. Don't really understand it, but that's what it was. The spirit of the Lord took control of him, and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Like, this dude was a boss. So he's sitting there, and it says in the previous verse, the lion comes running at him. And so he's like standing his ground like a lineman or something like that. He's standing there. The lion comes jumping at him. He probably grabs it by his mouth, rips his jaw open, tears his face apart, and just destroys this lion with his bare hand. Like that's a boss if you don't know what a boss is. Like that dude is uh, just a beast. I mean, I don't understand what the deal was. I would love to see this dude fighting, but this is my favorite part. The next verse. So we're in Judges 14.6. Judges 14.7 says this. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Like, he's going up, he kills a lion, he's like, oh, there's a girl. What's up, girl, what's your name? You mind if I shoot you a text real quick, we start a conversation? I mean, like, he goes and kills a lion, and then he goes and hits on a girl. Like, that is unbelievable. Like, I just want to hang out with this guy. I mean, he is crazy. But at the same time, like, he knows what God's called the new. He kills a lion, and then he goes and talks to a girl. So I'm going to sum up his life in three different points, real simple things. First of all, which we've already talked about, is he thrived. Samson thrived. He kicked butt. He was a boss. Listen to some of his victories. We're going to tell a couple more of those. He killed 30 Philistines at one time because they used his wife, the Philistines used his wife, because she was a Philistine. He shouldn't have been going after Philistine women. That's one of his weaknesses, but we'll talk about that in a minute as well. So he kills 30 Philistines because the Philistines used his wife to get information out of him. And so he's mad. He's like, you know what? You're going to do this to my family? You know what? I'm just going to go kill you all. So he goes and kills 30 Philistines. Next, the Philistines killed his wife and father-in-law. He was so mad. Listen to what he said in Judges 15, 7. Samson said to them, since you have acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get revenge on you. He's basically like, I won't sleep until I kill you. And then he says in verse uh, 8, he says, he attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in the cave at the rock of Edom. So he goes and kills a bunch of Philistines. Then he's like, well, I'm just going to go sleep by a rock right now. Like, he pretty much had no home. His family was destroyed, but he's like, look, I'm called to kill the Philistines, and I'm going to kill the Philistines. And so he goes and kills them. Listen, 3,000 of his men, the Judites, the Judah, Judah, men of Judah are kind of a, 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 not a rival nation, but they're a friendly nation. They're one of the 12 tribes of Israel, so there's Israelites and Judah. So they're kind of like friends at this time. 3,000 men of, of Judah come up, and they're like, listen, Samson, you can't do this anymore, man. You're going to kill us because you're killing all the Philistines. They're our enemies. We hate the Philistines. The Israelites, the Judites, we cannot talk to them. We don't want anything to do with them. And they're coming after us because you keep killing them. We're going to have to, to kind of surrender you over to them. And he's like, all right, listen, just promise me you won't kill me. And they're like, no, no, we're not going to kill you. You're one of us. We just got to hand you over, man. We're, we're done. We're getting killed over here. And he says, all right. And so they tie him up. You can't tie this cat up. So they tie him up, and he's sitting there thinking. It talks about a little bit in Scripture. This is an opportunity for him to get more, in front of more Philistines to kill him. So he walks up, and 3,000 men are taking him up, and they're standing there. And then the Philistines, let me, let me just read this verse real quick. And the Philistines in Judges 15, 14 through 15, it says this. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting, 
a thousand men came toward him shouting. He rips his arms free. It says this, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him. Once again, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, came powerfully on him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands, finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey. So a thousand men are running toward him. A thousand. You're like, man, I've had like two or three people coming at me, and like, I took them out. Well, way to go. He took a thousand, so he's sitting there, and as they're running at him, he gets his hands free. He's like, all right, I don't have a gun. I don't have a bow and arrow. What can I use? He sees a dead donkey. He grabs the jawbone of a donkey, and he kills a thousand men. Like, that's a boss if I've never heard of one. Like, this dude is for real a beast. You can't hold him, but he did have some weaknesses. So first of all, the thing he did is he thrived. Second thing he did is he fell. So he's at the top of his game. He's making the most money. He's getting the girls that he wants to get. He's doing everything that he wants to do. He's called by God. The Spirit of the Lord is falling on him with everything. He's anointed and all this kind of stuff. But then what happens is he fell. He made the commitment to the Lord from the birth, the Nazarite vow, and he didn't keep the vow. Sin and rebellion has consequences. When God calls you to something, when God tells you to do something in his word, or maybe he just told you, hey, listen, you don't need to be doing that, it has consequences. And Samson is beginning to face some of the consequences. He was supposed to stay away from Philistine women. That's the enemy nation. They're like evil. You don't get around these people. It's like how many of y'all are Dallas Cowboy fans? Anybody in the room? It'd be like the Houston Texans. Like, they're just evil. They're horrible people. Any Houston Texan fans in the room? It'd be like the Dallas Cowboys. Like, if you're a Houston Texan fan, you're like, Dallas Cowboys, they ain't Christians, man. They don't love Jesus if they like the Cowboys. Like, they were enemy nations. They hated each other. And so he said, hey, Dad, listen, I want that girl. He said, son, listen, he, she's a Philistine girl. You do not need to marry her. So he marries her, and he deals with all kinds of consequences. Second girl named Delilah. He said, Dad. I want that girl. He says, son, you don't need to do it. It's a Philistine woman. You do not need to go after this girl. He says, I want the girl, and he's relentless. So he marries the girl, Delilah. Listen to the crazy things that happen here. As I tell this story, I'm not going to read it because it's a long story. I'm just going to kind of recap it because I've done a lot of this. But it's crazy. You sit here and you listen to the story, and you get frustrated and mad at this dude, as I do every time I sit there and read the story myself. So he met this wife. Delilah comes along. He wanted her. And so... Here's the thing, no one knew where his strength laid. It was in his hair, as we talked about. So he probably has hair down to his feet or down to his butt. Probably looks like a woman, but he's a monstrosity. And so at the same time, his wife says, and she's a Philistine, and she's working for the Philistine army. So she's working against her own husband. And she says, listen, Samson, tell me where your strength lays. I, I, I have to know where it's coming from. Like, tell me, if you love me, you'll tell me. And he says, oh, you just got to tie me up with this kind, of, this kind of string and all this kind of stuff. And, and I don't have any strength and all that kind of stuff. And she says, all right, sounds good. So he goes to sleep. She ties him up, calls the Philistines, calls him up, says, hey, he's asleep. Come on up. So come on up. And, and the Philistines start to attack him, and he rips free, and he takes him out. I don't know if he beats him, kills him, whatever, but he, he takes him out. And so then the next night, a couple nights later, she says, Samson, listen, you humiliated me. You told me that this thing was going to take your strength, but it didn't take your strength. Tell me the truth. Where does your strength lie? Like, I want to know this. And he's like, oh, you just, you just got to do this, this, and this, and, and I'll be done. I won't have any strength at all. She says, all right, sounds good. So she does that. He's asleep. She does it again. I think she ties up her arms some other way. And so she calls, hey, Philistine, he's asleep. Come on up. Came on up. They try to take him out. He's got all his strength. He rips him off. He takes him out again. And she, he's like, Delilah, what are you doing? 
A few days later, goes by again. Samson, listen, I'm your wife. Please, if you love me, you'll do this. Like some of y'all have heard those words before. If you love me, you'll do this. Like, come on, Samson, I'm your wife. You married me. Why are you playing with me? Quit doing this. He says, all right, fine. You shave my head, I lose all my strength. Like, are you kidding me? The third time he fell for the same thing. She shaves his head, he wakes up, the Philistines are on him, and he thinks somehow in his selfishness, in his own sin, in his own rebellion, he still thinks he has the strength. He gets up to fight, he has no strength. They cut his eyeballs out, and they make him a slave. So a dude that was once called by God, and he was a freaking boss, and owned whatever God called him to do, or anything that God was calling him to do, he was incredible, he was a beast. He gave in to his own temptation, his own sin and his own rebellion. And when I hear the story of Samson, like all the things that he did with Delilah, and Delilah saying, hey, do this. Okay, sign, do this. She does again, the third time he falls for it. I sit there and I'm, I'm like getting mad. And I'm like, come on, man, quit falling in for that. Like, why are you going to do that? But it, no, you know who it reminds me of? It reminds me of me. Because I fall back into my own temptation every single time. All of us in this room have some sort of sin struggle with, with you girls that might be, could be gossip, maybe depression, maybe self-harm, it could be suicidal thoughts, guys, it could be pornography, it could be depression, it could be anger, it could be all kinds of different things. It doesn't matter, there's just certain sins that we're just kind of drawn to. doesn't make them right, doesn't make them justifiable because we struggle with one sin, but at the same time, all of us struggle with one or two or three sins repetitively. I, I hear his story and I'm like, what is he doing? Why are you doing this, Samson? And, and then I sit there and I look at myself and I'm like, man, you give in to the same thing. You give in to the same patience and you fall in over and over and over again. And that's what we do as Christians. I get so mad when I hear that story, but it reminds me of me and us because we fall just like Samson. Let me tell you a couple stories. Show you a picture of this first athlete. Anybody know who that is? Lamar Odom, that's exactly right. He was a hoss when it came to basketball with the Los Angeles Lakers. He was unreal. So Lamar Odom was a basketball player for the Lakers. He was married to the Kardashian, one of the Kardashian girls. He was a millionaire. He was getting paid bank. He had all kinds of contracts and deals. I mean, he was a stud. He was at the peak of his game. And then in October of 2015, he was found in a brothel in a coma for four days from an overdose of cocaine. He had 12 strokes and two heart attack, yet somehow he was still living. It was a miracle, but he never recovered and got his life back. He tried to get back with his wife, the Kardashian girl, I don't know which one it was. Didn't want, sorry. I apologize. Wouldn't want to mess up one of the Kardashian girls. Um, but he, he never got her back. He never was a stud on the basketball court again. And right now, where is he? I don't even know. He may be doing something better. Hopefully he's sober, but he's not doing too well. Let me show you one more picture. I'm going to show you a side-by-side -side right here. Anybody know who that is? That's pink. <laughs> Close, but no. That's Miley Cyrus on the left. She was the princess of the Disney Channel. She was, uh, she was awesome. Everybody loved her. You might remember as kids. I don't know if you do, but I remember when I was younger and my kids were younger, like everybody loved Miley Cyrus. Smiley Miley. And then something happened. Like, I mean, I don't know, but I, yes, that happened. Like something happened. She never really fully recovered. It was like tragic. 
it really is tragic to watch her. And some of y'all might be like, oh, no, that's a success story. You would have a different, different definition of success. Let me tell you a third person. Tiger Woods. This dude was the highest paid athlete for a period of time. His wife was an unbelievably gorgeous model. He had everything going for him. He was young, and he was one of the best golfers ever. And he probably had 20 years ahead of him where he could continue to make about 100 to $200 million a year. He had it all for him. And then one night, something happened. His woman comes at him with a golf club and beats him or something. He runs into a tree, and then he goes into rehab, and then he gets a DUI. Let me show you one of his mug shots. That's the same dude right there. Yeah, it's pretty sad. But, like, when you, see, when you see Tiger Woods then and when you see him even now, he's, like, kind of still playing golf, kind of not really. Like, he never got back up. He never rose up past his struggle. And it was sad to watch because what happened to Lamar Odom, to Miley Cyrus, to Tiger Woods? They fell, but they never rose up to what they were doing. So, so here's the thing. When, when he was a slave, when Samson was a slave, he was a prisoner. And so he's at this party in the temple with the Philistines, and there's 3,000 Philistines in the temple. And so they're having this party, and they said, hey, let's bring the slave up. Let's bring Samson up. So they bring him up, and they said, hey, Samson, entertain us. Can't see anything. Don't forget he got his eyes gouged out. Eyes gouged out. So Samson, entertain us. I don't know what that means, but it says it in the Scripture. And then listen to what he does, because... Samson didn't stay down. He rose up to the occasion of what God's called him to do, even in his last moments. Listen to this. Judges 16, 28 through 30. We'll tell this, tell one more story, and then we'll be done in just a minute. He called out to the Lord, Lord God, please remember me. Strengthen me. God, once more, with one act of vengeance, let me pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars supporting the temple and leaned against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. He pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the leaders and all the people in it. And the dead he killed at his death were more than those he killed in his life. So here's the thing about Samson. He thrived. He was killing it. He fell. But then he rose up. He rose to the occasion of what God was calling him to do. He sought after the Lord, and he got back up, even when he was blinded, and he was in the pit, and he was a slave, and he probably had chains on his hands and on his feet, and he had no more strength, and he couldn't even call on the Lord because he didn't have the strength of the Lord anymore. But he did one more time. He said, Lord, please, one more time, give me the strength to do what you've called me to do. Let me tell you one more story. Let me show you a picture real quick. Who's this? Michael Phelps. I remember seeing that picture in that time. I'm not positive that's a mugshot. I got that off Google, but it's, it's similar to the time when he got in trouble. It's around that time. So what happened is he went to the Olympics. He won eight gold medals, more than anyone's won in one, one Olympic time. I believe that's a fact. And so he won eight gold medals, and then months later, within a year, he gets caught up in drugs. He's smoking weed. He gets a DUI. He gets arrested. And I remember reading about this going, Man, I just wanted this dude to give his life to Christ and be a platform for Jesus because he is unbelievable at what he does. Like, man, he is gifted by God. If he used, started using his gifts and talents for the Lord, it would be unbelievable what would happen. And so while he's in this time of rehab or whatever's going on, a man reaches out to him. His name's Ray Lewis. He's a very strong, passionate believer. He's an ex-NFL football player. He reaches out to him, 
from his story, if I have it correct, he just calls him. And he's like, we need to talk. He gives him a book called Purpose Driven Life. It's basically a bunch of Bible verses with some commentary over 40 days of how to grow in your walk with Christ and how to come to know Christ. Long story short, Michael Phelps gives his life to Christ. And let me show you a later picture of Michael Phelps. He's a beast. He went on to win 18 gold medals throughout his life in his Olympic career. So he thrived. He fell and then he got back up. How? How did he do it? Well, first of all, he found somebody to encourage him in his situation. He found somebody to get him through this. He gave his life to Christ, and he sought the Lord. And when he did that, everything changed. He got back in the game, and he dominated at what he was doing. So even though we have fallen, God still wants us to rise up just like Samson. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Just listen for just a moment. I want you to be completely honest. Had a neat time with the middle schoolers. They were pretty honest with this. So let me just ask you a question. And, I, and I'm going to ask you to respond to this. I want you to be honest. I'm not going to remember your face or who raised their hand. I'm not going to come up to you after and go, hey, have you fallen? Man, we, we all have at times. But let me just ask you a question. If you have falling, fallen, excuse me, and you're living in a valley, you're in a pit, and, and you're just struggling, you're, you're not where you want to be, maybe you're Samson when he's in the in the jail and he's got his eyes gouged out and he's just in the valley in the pit and you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired if that's you would you just be honest with me real quick and just throw your hand up in there there's a lot of y'all looks like the whole front row a couple y'all in the back appreciate that scattered throughout easily half the room appreciate y'all being real you put your hand down thank you for being honest maybe it's and this is just me kind of evaluating as your pastor because i've been in this situation where I've been sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I just don't know what to do. Maybe it's you're trying to do it all yourself. You know, you know, Samson, that third time when Delilah brought the Philistines on him, shaved his head and all that kind of stuff. Samson, he got up, and he's like, man, I'm going to be ready to take him out again. And he tries. He has no strength because he was trying to do it without the Lord when the Lord was his only source of his strength. Students, listen. The Lord's your only source of your strength. And a lot of y'all have some talents, and a lot of y'all are gifted in different ways, but when you're trying to do it yourself, you're not going to get through it. And, and, so, and so maybe it comes down to this. Maybe it's because you're trying to do it in your own strength, and you need to give your life to Christ. And so, so here's something you need to understand, and I, I propose this with the middle school students, and I just, just want to challenge you with this for just a moment. If, if you are one of the ones that raised your hand, and, and I ask you, maybe, is it you trying to do this in your own strength? So, so if you say, sit there and say, yeah, you know what? I am trying to do this in my own strength, and I need to give my life to Christ because I don't know Jesus. Then let me just tell you some things you need to understand um, before you give your life to Christ. First of all, 2,000 years ago, you guys know the story. Christ came. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for your sin and for mine, and then he arose from the grave. He defeated death, and he defeated your sin if you want to give your life to him. And that's, and that's a one-time thing. I've got a ring on my finger representing I married my wife. That happened once. I'll never marry her again. I'll never marry another woman unless the Lord takes her from me and wants to give me another woman. But the truth is, when you surrender your life to Christ, it happens once. For a first time, a last time, and an only time. And so if you're sitting there and you say, man... I've been trying to do this in my own strength, and I understand that Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross for me. Man, I just want to give my life to Christ because I'm sick of trying it on my own, and I just, I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. 
if you're sitting here and you say, man, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Awesome. Anybody else? Raise, raise it high so I can see it. Okay, I see a couple of you guys. That's awesome. Anybody else? Any ladies in here? Gotcha. Okay, about two or three of y'all. I appreciate y'all being honest. Anybody else? I'm going to give you just a moment. I feel like there's maybe one or two of you that are just kind of fighting this. You say, man, I'm, I'm sick of trying on my own. I need to give my life to Christ no matter what that looks like. I'm ready to do it. I'm all in. If that's you, just raise your hand. Okay, cool. I got you. A couple more guys. Appreciate that. All right, let's do this. I'm going I'm to pray a prayer. And, and this prayer represents an attitude of your heart. It's not so much the words that you say. It's just you crying out to Jesus and saying, save me. You could say that right now, and, and Christ would save you, and he would make you a new creation. Old things have passed, new things have come, which means you're a new life. It's basically you taking your life right now, laying at the foot of the cross and saying, I'm done, I'm no longer me, I'm all yours. And so if you make this decision and you cry out to Jesus and you cry out to him right now and you give your life to Christ, you're a new person. Things should change. And so if that's you and you just raise your hand, you want to give your life to Christ, then I'm just asking you to pray this prayer out loud with me right now. And let's just do this as a group. Sometimes we do on the weekend. Everybody pray with this person. Only if you're crying out from your heart are you meaning these words, not if you're just saying these right now. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. You died on the cross for me. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you my life. Please come into my heart and live with me forever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.